0: from Scottston This
1: is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.
0: Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly on this week's show. I'm joined by Glasgow Warriors head coach Danny Wilson. Danny, how are you mate? Very
1: good, thank you. Yourself?
0: Good, I'm good. So Danny, being a head coach, obviously there's a lot of, a lot of stuff that goes on and you must watch so much rugby all the time. And you've Obviously, you've been a head coach a few times. You've been a coach at Scotland. You've been a coach with Bristol, and you must watch so much rugby. But are you rugby mad outside of outside of coaching? Like, if I was to ask you what your ideal day was, would coaching, watching, being involved in rugby be in there somewhere?
1: Um, I think that's what got me to the place where um, I was. I was heavily interested and, and um, passionate about coaching. Was my passion for the game generally. I think back in the day when I was younger, I was obsessed with rugby, obsessed with watching rugby, um, playing at the time. And then I had an injury when I was sort of 25 that kind of stopped me playing and and had to retire. But I was also very aware at the time that I wasn't going to be good enough to earn a good enough um, wage income from the game as a player. So I kind of, that passion of the game generally kept me in the game, as opposed to going down into something else. I I went to to Cardiff Met to do my degree in sports coaching. So, you know, with with a degree in sports coaching day to day, watching rugby, coaching rugby, playing rugby, I was, yeah, pretty obsessed. I wouldn't say I'm as obsessed now. I think uh, I often obviously have to watch a lot of rugby. That's my job and I still enjoy that side of things, but I have a young family and I've learned that the balance is really important in this game and to try and make sure that you have time away from rugby so that you're fresh when you come back to rugby but this year is a unique year as we know and I don't think I've really had that balance or that time away because it's been completely relentless because of other things but um I certainly think that on a in a normal year trying to find that balance is really important
0: yeah and and do you have a a welcome to being a head coach moment whether that's at Glasgow at Cardiff or or even when you were doing a bit with uh, Wales under 20s is there a moment that you're like wow this is this is what a head coach is
1: Probably before that. I so I, um, I came through and, and coached a lot through the academy system in Wales, um, kind of development work before that. So my first real jump into head coaching was I took a big, big gamble when I was coaching Cardiff Blues Academy years and years ago and the Welsh Rugby Union as a sort of age group skills coach. I took the jump into Championship Rugby and I went to London Welsh. Uh, London Welsh had a forwards coach role originally, which I uh, applied for and went through an interview and all the rest of it, got the job. And not long afterwards, I was appointed head coach there. So I dropped into, um, a bit like, a bit like um, other experiences, I dropped into a situation that changed very, very quickly and the club went into administration. So I was in the middle of a, a period where the administrator ran the club um a new cons- sort of consortium was being put together to try and buy the club and to try and take over the funding of the club so it was a huge adversity that we were going through boys weren't getting paid all sorts of stuff but off the back of that adversity we we achieved more than th- in that year or then sorry in the following year than the club had previously we got to a championship semi-final losing to bristol but we beat exeter twice that year and the, that was the year exeter got promoted so it was strange because the 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 um the tough period and, and the adversity that we went through brought us all pretty close and pretty tight and and we came out the other end of it eventually being successful um, and I, I probably had a few of those experiences as a head coach and, and let's be honest we're going through one at, at the moment with with um with the effect of COVID to Scottish rugby and the, and, that, and how the picture has changed dramatically at Glasgow from from what I kind of was walking into to what it currently is. But like those other ones, I, I draw on the experience of going through adversity and coming out far, far stronger. And I think that is you know, where we will be with Glasgow. And that's why I'm confident there's a little bit of pain now. and, and you know, We're all having to deal with that, especially in Scottish rugby. But I'm pretty confident we'll come out the other end, be tighter through the adversity. We'll have the right people at the club that want to be at the club and are passionate about the club and we will be successful in the future.
0: Yeah. And, and you talk about London Welsh there as being a head coach. And obviously you were head coach at Cardiff Blues, winning the European Challenge Cup with them. You led the Wales under-20s uh, in 2012 to their first World Cup semi-final, And then the next year, their first ever final. And then obviously now you're here at Glasgow. What is the difference between coaching all those different levels, whether that's the championship with London Welsh, whether that's your under-20s, where obviously you're with guys with a bit of a shorter period of time, and then at the pro level with Cardiff and Glasgow? What is the kind of the differences as a head coach in those kind of different roles?
1: Well, really, I suppose um, Wales in the 20s, in in the same way as as Scotland, uh, as a national coach, you're you're basically, um, they talk about coaching in in periods or in waves. So as an international coach, whether it's under 20s or it's a senior team, you get waves of massive intensity, loads, um, you know, Six Nations as an example, loads of time together in camp, in hotels, more time than you day nine to five you know or, or 24 hours a day more time than you do when you're in in the club world in terms of that small intense window but then it's gone and there's nothing and you don't have any contact with those players for a long period of time then you come back together for a, another wave of intensity so international coaching is about trying to get a group to gel as quickly as possible trying to get everybody on the same page playing in the same way Whereas club rugby, you've got a little bit more time to build something and that's, that's um, you can go and recruit the players that you think you need longer term versus internationally. You work with players that obviously are available to you, uh, although you're selecting, you're not recruiting. So it's what what players are, are there. So with the 20s, as an example, over that two year period, we actually thought we had the stronger team year one with the 20s and we made a beaten, you know, first ever team to beat New Zealand in the 20s. Um, and to that point, they'd never lost a game in the 20s competition over many years, which is a phenomenal record. And we beat them in the pouring rain uh, in South Africa in a, in a World Cup uh, to make our first um, at the group into the semi final. Now, we finished top of the group. New Zealand finished uh, best runner up in the group. So, guess what? We played New Zealand in the semi final. So, chances of beating them twice were probably pretty slim, and we lost in the semi final and beat. Um, uh, Argentina in, in the third, fourth playoff. The following year, when we thought we didn't think this group was as strong and, and you're probably only going to have two or three years in that job and then you're going to move on. And so in that second year, we went to World Cup in France, probably thought that the group maybe individually wasn't as strong. But what became apparent was the group gelled and became a tight, tight team and therefore became a better team that w- that, that was more than the sum of its parts, if you like, and we went on to a World Cup final, beating South Africa in a semi-final. Um, unfortunately, we, we, we lost to England narrowly in the final. But So you kind of saw the two years, you know, one one group of players move on because of the age group. And the next players come in and you've got to get those groups to gel very, very quickly. Whereas club is very different. Let's take Glasgow Warriors. I've come into Glasgow and I've inherited a squad and I've inherited a team, made a couple of signings at the end of last year. But slowly but surely, you come into to one recognised the group you got, the, the passion of the supporters and the way that everybody wants the team to play. Do you have the right individuals to do that? What areas do you need to bolster? And then you slowly piece together a recruitment strategy for the future, but uh, that's that retention and recruitment, sorry. Um, but also, you know, within that, you've got the restrictions of your budget and so on. So it's a very, very different challenge. And then you slowly try and piece things together and Normally, um, you have a period of time where you build something and then you're very, very accountable by what you build. Um, obviously, this year has been very different to that. Um, we've, we, we've got some brilliant rugby players at Glasgow. There's no doubt about that. And if you think about our internationals with Scotland, we've got really around that 12, somewhere from 10 to, to 14 players, but 12 at the moment with the national squad. Now, those players have only been available for five games this season. So that, that, that's a very unique year. That never happens um but it's happened this year so that, on top of other things and other issues we haven't had that, that time together to gel and to come a much tighter closer unit as a team lots of while well, we did have the boys available to us over christmas period as you know we had two games called off because of covid so um i'm really looking forward to building a long period of time with those players whilst what we're doing now is unearthing what talent we have underneath and we have some real talent there there's no doubt about that some younger players and we have some quality players um, that don't maybe haven't had too much rugby. But we've also got some players that probably maybe better fits elsewhere in the future. And that's part of the job that if we're not going to give them the rugby that they need for whatever reason, then they'll get that they need to get opportunities elsewhere for the for the better of their career. So all those decisions are being made and they all those decisions happen in your first year as a coach at a new club. And then you kind of quickly try and put your, your squad together to be able to uh obviously get get Glasgow back now to where they've previously been.
0: Yeah and you obviously touched on Wales under 20 there and you mentioned earlier about the Cardiff Academy do you think that having that experience with kind of I guess almost talent identification benefits you then in this role when you're looking at kind of those some of these guys up and coming and when you're looking at things like recruitment
1: yeah I think so I think um you probably got an understanding of how long it takes a player to come through or what environment you need to create for a player to come through what situations like, like there are situations where you have no choice. If, if, if that guy is the next cab on the rank and you've got a series of injuries or no one else available, whether that player is quite ready or not, that player is being dropped into the deep end, but you're trying to avoid that. Like the plague, you want, you want to do it, um, carefully with the right people around them so that they're, they're gaining positive experiences along with the negative ones or the things they need to improve, but positive experiences to, to move on to the future. And let's take, um, Let's take Ross recently, you know, playing against Edinburgh. The original plan would have been Sammy Johnson outside Ross and and Ali Price inside Ross uh, with a reasonably good pack being selected with our internationals available to us. Now that gives Ross a different picture and a different experience versus having inexperienced guys either side of him and maybe a pack that's under huge pressure. That puts Ross under a a, a very different circumstance out of his first cap. As it happened, Sam Johnson didn't play because of COVID. Um, as a contact, but we were still lucky enough to have a Robbie Ferguson, who's a great leader and an experienced player outside to, to kind of help gel that situation. So those, those things are really important um, and not not many people appreciate or understand how important those things are to give players positive experience. Can't always do it, but nine times out of ten, that's what we're trying to do. Um, I had the same probably when I was at the twenties, I was coaching the Scarlets at the same time. I was Scarlet's forwards coach and then the 20s head coach, and it was a joint role. And Samson Lee played in that first World Cup as a tight end, is very rare. You put a tight end at 19, 20 years of age, but it was apparent to all of us he was ready, he was capable. Um, so then you felt with the Scarlets the very next year he was playing in Europe big European games on the tight end and he was doing really well. Um but there's other examples of players that might have taken another two or three years before you put them into that, that situation. So that is part of the job. And I think having the experience of working with youngsters over a period of time does, does give you that, but we don't always get that right as well, as you know, and I certainly don't always get that right, but it's it's no exact science. It's, it's just, um, you know, uh, trying to learn from your experiences.
0: Yeah. And is there someone right now in our squad or our academy that people kind of should be watching out for that you think is just starting to hit their stride or is that kind of, that, that I guess sleeper that people aren't really kind of focusing on right now.
1: Um to to be honest, I, you know the one who write this minute now is extremely exciting for his age and and I hope not to put pressure on him by saying this, but Jamie Doby is somebody we all we all know. Um, and he's played as a young man he's played a fair about rugby at this level already. Um, I know right through the Scottish system from the top. Um, Jamie's very, very highly rated and we're all excited about his future. But Jamie also knows he's got a lot of work to do to, 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 to realise that potential um, and to come through. But I think he's a name as a young man that's really been impressive. And I think he's got a massive future. I think we've got some others who are maybe a little bit behind that, um, but there's a few starting to come through. And, and, and if Ross and, and Jamie Doby end up playing games together this season, you know, uh, a very young halfback partnership, which will have its ups and downs. We've got to be ready for that, but we'll also get massive, uh, gain massive experience and lessons learned from it. Yeah. So
0: on on the head coaching role, obviously you have your subordinates underneath you. So how does the division of work between yourselves and the rest of the coaching team kind of look on a day-to-day basis in Glasgow Warriors?
1: Well, um, the first thing we we do let's let's take game prep so we're in week by week game prep. So the first thing we do um on uh, we have two analysts as well t- with us uh, Greg Willard and and Graham Ariad and both guys will present to us on the opposition we're about to face probably a week and a half before we play them. So um the kind of Thursday of the of the week before we're gonna play, let's say Edinburgh um so on that Thursday, those guys would present to us the team, not the team we're playing Saturday, the team we're playing the following Saturday. So we'd open up a week and a half early on that team. We'd sit and listen to their presentation around the numbers, um, what the, that team's strengths, weaknesses are, where they score their tries and who's playing for them and who's likely to play for them and so on and so forth. We then, in our areas, present to each other probably Friday, Saturday, Um Normally, either the team run day or the day of the next game. So let's say we're playing Treviso on Saturday and Edinburgh the following Saturday. That Treviso game day, we would sit and start doing our presentations to each other. So as an example, Kenny Murray would present from a defensive angle. These are the threats of the team we're playing uh, in a week's time. Um, these, These are the things I think we need to work on this week. This is what the numbers tell us. Likewise for attack, likewise for contact, set piece. So we kind of start to formulate a game plan more than a week in advance of when we play the next team. That means when we get in on Monday morning, um, we debrief the game we've just played whilst opening up and presenting to the players on the next team we're going to play. And and we try and get the, the players to be involved in that. But the important part of it is that we're more than a week ahead. If we left it to Monday, Tuesday, before we look and, and start to piece together a game plan, we we would be we'd be uh, way too late trying to piece together how we're going to play and who we're going to select and all the rest of the stuff. Then when we get into the week, really Monday is what we call a clarity day. So Monday will be quite low key because the boys would be less than 48 hours off the game normally. Um, so they're recovering, they're starting to piece together walkthroughs, jog throughs of the plays we're going to run of the opposition plays. We get a group to be the opposition against us. So Kenny will, will, will form that group ready to be whoever we're playing. Um, Tuesday is our what we call our red day our intensity day our our, um, hard work day so that's when we do everything at full speed um attack and defense we try and mix them into the same day and set piece we don't we don't sort of have an attack day and a defense day we try and merge them together normally Wednesday is your recovery it's sort of like a day off and then Thursday we'll come in and do very similar to a Tuesday but just a less time so that we're not Um, tiring the boys before the weekend. They do a shorter session, but a high-speed session. Um, And we also call it our handover day where we hand hand it over to the players. So our leadership group, the last 20 minutes of the session, they run it. um, And we've handed the game plan over to them. It's not coach-led anymore. It's player-led. Friday is the team run, captain's run, where the players run that themselves. We just watch the session because you want that player empowerment. You don't want to be taking them right up to game day being very coach-led. And then obviously on game day, then they're lost because they haven't had a chance to lead themselves. So we try and let them lead on the thir- end of Thursday and on the Friday. It's a light session on the Friday. Again, attack and defence, bit of everything. And then into the game. So the, the kind of workload is dif- is divided equally, training time and analysis and so on, because the game is like that and we can't we can't always predict exactly how chaotic the game is going to be. So, um, And we try and get, like I said, the players involved as much as, as we can.
0: And and you mentioned there, talking about how it's player led and kind of letting them build up to the game. Now, in in the past few seasons, Eddie Jones, the England head coach, has kind of talked about and done some coaching from the sidelines in the second half of games. Is I'm assuming then with with the way that we kind of do things at the club, it's not something that would kind of work with the way that we're we're doing things, having you down on the touchline for the second half of a game kind of coaching. And would that or wouldn't that work for our, our kind of our way and your way of working?
1: I think it's very, very rare that you see a coach down on the sideline on the touchline now, because when the players can't hear him. It's as simple as that. in the In the heat of the moment, while the game is going on, there's no chance of 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 those things being heard. Um, maybe more so now with no crowds right this minute now, but very rare that that that, that kind of is taken on board. I don't think anyway um and that coach doesn't run onto the pitch you have your messages to messengers to run onto the pitch so from where we sit what well, reason we sit where we are is when we've got a kind of bird's eye view of the, of the game from a higher higher level so you can see down onto the field and you can see the spaces or um you know uh, opposition what they're trying to do what you, you know a much bigger picture whereas at your ground level if you're side onto it you can't see a huge amount then you've also got your screen in front of you with your replays on it and it will give you you know the, the replays of different situations that you can look at quickly and then you send a message down to your your coaches or your messengers or your whoever's running those messages for you who are on the mic they can run onto the field with um with water and messages if if need be and, and everybody fulfills that that process um you know and, and and like you're mic'd up for other reasons as well like injuries and you know our, our physios will will give us basically a red, amber, green on a player. If it's green, it means I think you'll be okay. Amber, we're going to have to wait and see. Red, get him off, make a change straight away. So we work quickly to those um, communications back and forth as well. So it's important. I am, we as coaches are sat where we are, but at the same time, having some um, presence on the touchline, having some ability to get some messages down and onto the field is still really important. And some motivation at the moment with no crowds. You know, if you've got the louder bench and the louder, support staff then then at least you're trying to create an atmosphere which which is missing at the moment from the game
0: yeah and and you'd mentioned there um about our our analysts greg and and graham now obviously there's been some changes in the back room i I believe we've got a new head of snc coming in and and we've had one or two specialist coaches in over the last few weeks are you able to kind of give us just a little insight into kind of who's who's been where and who's coming in
1: yeah, so basically, Brad Mayo, who's been at the club for a couple of years, has moved on to an opportunity in Australia, which was probably always on the cards with his relationship with with um, with Dave and so on. So he's uh, gone to a, to an opportunity in Australia. We then did a, a process, an interview process for a head strength and conditioning coach. Um, we're very lucky because we've got some very good strength and conditioning staff in the in the system at the moment. Um, people like Johnny Harris Wright, who's who's an exceptional strength and conditioning coach, so we're lucky that we've we've got those guys, and those guys have held the held the fort really well for the last sort of month or so since Brad has left. But we went through an interview process to to to, to unearth who may be available and what we could bring in to add to that, um, and we brought in uh, Killian Reardon, who is um, currently at Leinster. He's uh, high up in the Leinster S and C department. And he's come into us to run our department from a strength and conditioning point of view um, and also, you know, bring his knowledge and experience from what he's learned from Leinster. So from my end, it's a brilliant appointment. It'll add to the great guys we've already got. Um, and I'm thrilled and looking forward to him arriving. You know, secondary to that as well, we, we've, we've also used this period. Um, obviously, there's no other rugby really being played at the moment, no Super 6 rugby, no um real sort of academy rugby academy are in with us at the moment so so shade shade Monroe has been doing a lot of work with us gary strain has been doing a little bit of work with around the scrum scrum with us as well and probably the guy who's done uh, a fair amount in the last couple of months is pete Murchie. so pete Murchie's next player at glasgow as we all know i actually coached pete at london welsh before he signed for glasgow so i knew him really well pete um is a very talented coach uh obviously super six coach at the moment with no super six rugby um we we got him in to do some extra work with us to do a bit of work with the back three a little bit of work around um sort of kicking strategy and and backfield management and some analysis and he's been he's been great so I think it's important we grow the staff and we grow grow sort of local Scottish um guys as well who are passionate about the club And, and like I said Pete's certainly one of those
0: and when we talk about drivers of culture around the club so we talk about ryan wilson is a huge driver for culture within our player group uh, and then i want to know who's the driver of culture or who's that jack the lad, kind of positive guy in the engine room which is obviously the coaches room and the snc staff and that's where they're all based is who's who's that one person that just is always having a joke and a laugh and and just kind of pulling people's legs
1: um yeah, it's like I said. This this year is very different. It's it's very strange because of the restrictions that we all, all are under. So we don't spend a huge huge amount of time indoors with each other in the offices because you're simply not allowed to. Yeah. Um. But the guy who 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 probably brings a lot of um humor and, and bounce to to our environment at the moment would be would be Johnny Bell or Dinger as he's uh, as he's known. And and that's with the players and with with the staff. You know, Johnny's um kind of always uh bouncing and and laughing and joking and and brings uh, a good kind of feel to to the group and as an attack coach i think that's that's really relevant kenny murray's you're probably a sterner more defense character if that makes sense you know um, another top guy with a great sense of humor but um he's probably coaching is more um as as defense is more Stern responsibility, um, a bit more black and white. But between them, they, they both have a really good balance that I think um, certainly uh, certainly helps me.
0: Yeah, and then everybody in rugby is obviously looking for a little extra edge. Is is there anything that we do as a club differently, or that we're trialing right now to try and give us that extra one percent?
1: Um, I think what we've all tried to deal with this year, it, it, the extra one percent things really come come a lot from. What I, what I massively believe in are the things you do away from the environment. So the amount of time you spend as a group, whether it's meeting families, going out for meals or, or um, a couple of beers as, as a group of players and staff together to get closer and gel or activities that you go away and do, away days, all those things are huge, huge things to bring in your group tighter. And if you bring your group tighter, you, you, you see that tightness on the field for everybody including us that's not possible at the moment and it's it's the one thing i am really looking forward to getting back to normal because i know the difference those things make um and and we're currently missing those things a little bit you know um we can't do a huge amount because everything's very very restricted or closed or so it's really coming to work try and enjoy the time we have in work by doing as much as we can do but when you're sat in a meeting room two meters apart with your masks on you're only allowed to be in there for 10 15 minutes max um at the moment you're not even allowed to do that it's very difficult to get those things up and running but that's the challenge so it's important we enjoy training time together it's important we do enjoy any sort of social time we do do have together but like i said at the moment for the right reasons it's it's very restricted and very different i'm looking forward to getting back to normal where those things are, are really important you know even even um, after games mixing with supporters and and all the little bits and pieces that just make it feel like a real tight club um, yeah a kind of a challenge at the moment but we all understand why we all get on with it but to answer your question those are the things that will help us with the one percenters in the future yeah
0: and then and then looking forward recruitment for next season can you give us an insight into where we are and what the objectives are
1: well we've we've announced um you know a fair few at the moment i think the retention bit was was obviously the probably one of the early targets was recognizing and identifying what we had and what we wanted to keep because that obviously then leads to identifying what you need to replace or what we need to change um so my first six months in the job have been about trying to learn as much about the players i've inherited as i possibly can um now for the guys who played that's great but for the guys who haven't it's a nightmare because you're trying to make decisions about people's futures when you haven't really seen them play so you're really really analyzing training what they're like as people and then looking back at some of the footage to see you know uh, to make those kind of really difficult decisions and they are really difficult decisions so We've gone through a fair bit of that, and we've we've announced a fair few signings that um, are really positive ones. Um, we we you know admittedly we probably lost one maybe two as well to to you know perhaps opportunities for those guys in different environments that they're seeking. So then that leads to identifying what you need to replace and build for the future. And again, there's some real good work that has gone on, um, and. Some of those announcements, we've made a couple, but we, we, we're a few more to make. And I think there's some exciting signs for the future. Um, and we, we're, we're trying to grow that that kind of depth that we need. I don't think we'll ever have the amount, I, I hope to God, we don't have the amount of international clashes we've had this year. Um, like I said, to have your best players in terms of international is only available for five games if they were all fit, which they weren't is a headache that I hope we never ever have again, because we want to see those quality players playing in a Glasgow shirt at Scottsdale or away from home, wherever that might be, um, more often than we have done this season. And when you then add some some other signings around that and some depth around that, I think it gives us the ability to be, you know, to be competitive and to be winning more games than we have up till now.
0: And what is the process as a head head coach when you're recruiting? Like, how how does approaching a player happen, or or are you somebody that's sitting with a, an inbox full of highlight reels being sent to you by agents every day?
1: Now, obviously, um, agents are a huge part of, the, of recruitment and have been ever since I've been I've been involved in rugby. So you kind of have your players that you target and that you you know are good players you've either worked with before or you you've heard really good things about, or they're the best in the position. That, are, that you're looking for, so you either have those guys and you approach the agent yourself, or you find out what's on the market, what's available. You know, now for me, the first year in this job, you're finding out what's available versus what's available in two years, what's available in three years, um, and then what you're trying to align is the amount of money that you have available for that position or within your budget to the requirements of that agent or that player, and more often than not they don't align so you know for that reason you might not get that signing over the line but if you can get those two things aligned and you can offer the player the um the ambition the future the development for him personally apart from money what am I going to gain from two years three years at Glasgow Warriors and and likewise the player can prove to us that what I am going to add in terms of value to Glasgow Warriors then you know, once you've done all your due due diligence in terms of your analysis of that player, um, that can be analysis on the field and also analysis off the field. What is the character of the person like? Um, You know, trying to get a bit of a backstory around their previous experiences, their injury history. That's a huge one as well, especially concussion at the moment. If I'm brutally honest, concussion is a major issue in the game generally. So you you do need to know players' concussion history and and for obvious reasons, because there's long, long layoffs of players have had a lot of concussion issue, concussion issues, and obviously the health and safety of that player when he arrives. So you know, you can't you're combining all those different things to be able to make a decision about making the offer and then uh, going from there. And um, you know, you miss out on a few and you and you get a few, and that's part of the process.
0: Yeah. And and you kind of mentioned there, there's the, the I guess the additional benefits just apart from just the salary for players. What is the unique selling point that you pitch to players when you're talking to them about joining Glasgow Warriors?
1: Um, well, I think you kind of you kind of pitch a number of different things depending on who the player, the position, and, and what you know about the player and his ambitions and what he's trying to achieve. But the kind of the kind of um, foundation things that are in place. First of all, it's a club that most you know when we get back to normal that most um, players who've come and played at Glasgow against Glasgow, as I have as a coach, understand and know that. It's a great place to play rugby in terms of the crowd and the passion of the crowd and the the packed house and the noise that you get in front of a a Scottsdam crowd that is a Glasgow Warriors crowd that is that is passionate about their team so that that's a given and I think that's something that you know is 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 an advantage that we're missing at the moment you know having that crowd there for those home games which is huge. Um, I think also the style of rugby that we want to play now you know I've I've been very honest about We still want to play fast and we're still trying to play fast. Um, Even in the the, the recent derbies, you can see we're holding the ball from deeper and playing and we will build those phases and try and pressure people by holding the ball. Um, But at the same time, we need to have that balance of being able to play territory when we need to, to be able to kick, to get the ball back for a better set of attack, to get counter-attack ball to get counter-attack, but ultimately you've got to kick and then put pressure on the opposition to kick poorly back to you so you can come alive off counter-attack, which is the best type of ball to play off um, because defences are so well-structured nowadays. So, you know, we talk a lot about the way we want to play um, with the ball. We also talk about what we want to develop defensively and how we want to improve that side of our game as well when we're we're talking to players to come in, Um, and then then kind of talk about the vision and, and the future and what we're trying to aim to do. So there's a whole host of different things. Also, we speak to the player about their strengths and weaknesses and what they want to develop in their game and how we can help develop those things um, and who our expert coaches are in those areas and, and what we will do for the player to try and um, help push their game through. So like I said, there's a, there's a whole host of things that, on top of the obvious, which is the financial um, requirements of some players.
0: And then finally on recruitment, can you tease anything? on this right now do we get any exclusives
1: um i think we've got an exciting back row signing that, that we'll, we'll hopefully be able to announce pretty soon um i'm hoping which which is yeah it's something that i think we need to add to the squad and there's a couple of other bits that's probably all i'm willing to give right this minute now um until until we can uh, be a little bit more official
0: okay perfect And then finally, Danny, obviously you were Scotland's Forest coach. This weekend is the first round of the Six Nations Calcutta Cup with Scotland away to England. You were part of the coaching team that retained the cup down there back in 2019. Any predictions for the weekend?
1: Um, Well, first of all, that was one of the maddest experiences I've had in rugby. You know, you you went in at halftime in that game at Twickenham and you felt a little bit embarrassed that we'd had so many points put on us in that first half. To come out and play the way we did in the second half and to to get back to a lead and then really we should have won the game. But to draw the game and retain um the, the Calcutta Cup was brilliant. And to have that silverware that you've looked you know you're seeing on the TV from a, a young man following the game in the changing rooms and in your hands and having photos taken and stuff like that. That was, was brilliant an experience that I'll never forget. Um so yeah I think that going by that game, the following game the year after obviously was played in horrendous conditions and nowhere near the same game of rugby in fact really no rugby played if the conditions allow and the conditions are better this year I hope to see a game like the first game um, that I was involved in not the second um, and therefore an exciting game of rugby with two sides that I think will have a go I think both sides have got a couple of boys missing from maybe if you'd name their full hit teams so I think it's really exciting for um, for the game generally to have the Six Nations go ahead and that game go ahead and I'm sure from um, all our boys who are uh, representing Scotland on the weekend at Twickenham, you know, that they'll be bouncing for that game and uh, let's hope they go well.
0: Yeah. And back in 2019, obviously you could go out and have a drink afterwards. It was a night out wild. Do
1: you know what i got to say? That was another part of it. It was a good night out. There's no doubt about that. Um, coaches, players together and then as they do, split their separate ways and coaches go off to one place and, and players to another. And it was a, it was a real enjoyable experience. It was the last game of the Six Nations, so didn't have to worry about what was coming the following week so you could get out and enjoy yourself let your hair down a little bit which um another part of the game that's currently missing
0: yeah right Danny thank you very much for joining us on Warriors Weekly we'll catch you soon thank you no worries thanks
1: Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.